1: Good morning everyone and welcome to the health hub i'm kathy Biasa, your host and along with our producer alex diaz we would like to welcome you to our show this morning good morning alex
2: good morning kathy how are you
1: i'm well how are you
2: not too bad not too bad i was just uh taking a sip of my water here i have trouble every day drinking water personally it's nothing that uh that i'm able to do with uh Regularity, unless I flavor it. So today I have a combination of berry, pomegranate, and strawberry as a, as a blend for my drink. Good for you. Yeah. It would be ideal if I could actually take the time to eat more fruit, per se, rather than just flavoring my water. But what we'll do? What we have to do, right?
1: You know, it's, it's um, when you're busy, it's so easy not to eat. I have found that like today, for instance, I've been going from 7:30 right up till now. And I am, uh, you just said water. And I realized that I've had like two glasses and I'm actually dying for a glass of water here, but um, it is, it's hard. You know, they have apps or they have things that like, you put on your phone or yeah. your computer, whatever. And it, it'll actually say time to drink, time to drink. There's apps for everything, Alex.
2: Yep. That's like a saying now, isn't it? There's an app for that. There's, an app, There's for an, an app for that,
1: app for this, and an app for that.
2: <laughs> Pretty much. It's
1: very true. But good for you. Good for you trying to get water in. Um, I need to have a water bottle with me more. I know the tricks. I just don't perform them. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's my uh, New Year's resolution for the middle of the year. And try and do, <laughs> what does it say? Um, do what you preach or whatever that is. Yeah. So yeah that's what I'm trying do. To do so
2: what I say, not what I do. You.
1: <laughs> As you always do. That's it. You got it. You got it. Good thing I'm in radio. I've got great words coming out all the time. (laughs) Um, So today's show is taped. No opportunity for calling in. Yeah, thank goodness. No opportunities for calling in. Um, You can reach us, though, on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three sites. And please do feel free to email us. We are at THH at RadioMaria.ca. And do subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can find our podcast as well on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is KathyBiase.com. Now, as I sit here in my office, which is in my bedroom, which is probably part of the reason why I don't sleep at night, um, I'm, I'm not, I thought, you know what? My back was bothering me earlier, in my lower back, and of course I go to the Google and try and find things to do. And I thought, you know what, we're sitting a lot in general, and especially now that we are home more. Um, I thought it would be maybe a good idea because a lot of people are now doing sort of online meetings as opposed to going to meetings, blah, 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 we're in front of the, the computer a lot more. To revisit um, this talk about posture, we had someone on the show a long time ago talking about posture, but I wanted to hone in on posture while you're at your computer or, you know, an office space. And I thought that this might be helpful during this time. Very good. Um, just then posture get so myself. Hang on. <laughs> exactly. Get seated, do all the right things, and you can just nod I've, your head I've, as I'm I've, going
2: to. go. I've got to sit properly so I can take in what you're saying, so... Go ahead, Kathy, I'm ready. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right then. You're so funny. <laughs> okay, so posture. It it makes us look better. It helps keep our bones and joints in proper alignment it's very important for our muscle structure, um, and it reduces stress. It just reduces stress in our ligaments, our bones, our joints. You know, if you've ever had an injury to a hip or a leg or a knee and you've overcompensated, it takes a long time to realign. And once you're out of whack, it's like a domino effect. So
2: your posture isn't good and you know, your, your knee
1: is wrong and your hip is wrong. It just kind of goes all the way up. And yeah, exactly. And the spine is uh, a very, oh my gosh, there's so many nerves, uh, nerve things coming out, nerve things, good technology, the nerves innervating that area. And it's just so important to keep your posture uh, in good shape. So just a few tips here that I thought I would go through. One is to keep your computer at eye level. So, and this is almost similar to, uh, I had it as a separate point, but I can group it in as one. Hold your phone up to eye level and keep your computer up at eye level. And this really helps to prevent your neck and always from being in that forward position. Um, that's, that's not good. Tilting your head down can really strain your spine. So putting something under your computer so you're looking at eye level and holding your phone up as opposed to down around your stomach area and looking down is really helpful for the posture. Don't slouch. Shoulders back. You know, just like Mom said, try and balance the, the book on your head. Slouching can really slouching can stretch some muscles, making them loose and weak and tighten others. So try not to slouch. And keep your shoulders against your chair, so shoulders back and down, and against the back of your chair is is good posture. And keep your feet on the ground as opposed to crossing your ankles. Little things to do, and you know, keep your shoulders back to your ear level, so shoulders are back by your ears, basically, and and against your chair.
2: You know, Kathy, I'm trying to do a few things
1: really help with, um, you know, posture, preventing headaches.
2: I'm I'm doing all I'm doing all this as you're suggesting it and for me it's unfortunately uncomfortable and that just speaks to the fact that I do not keep in mind good posture when sitting and I think that's everybody's well not everybody I can't speak for everybody but the majority of people do have this issue of of sitting badly and then when you're trying to make the adjustment yes. there is that uh, bit of uh Period, where, where there will be some initial pains, but uh, the more we do it, the more our body will
1: You're right. become You're accustomed to right.
2: to it. The good posture.
1: Well, so you know, it's so prominent now to see people shoulders hunch, you know, chin out, neck forward just from looking at our devices and you know when you're right when you actually straighten it's like you gain five inches on your height it's it's incredible and again because we're sitting in front of our computers and more so now because a lot of us are working from home so we're not getting up to walk around to socialize whatever can really be impactful so like i said try and do a couple of those things a day and um work on your posture on to today's show. Our guest is Dr. Terolyn Sell, and she is a psychotherapist, brain health expert, and co-creator of the world's first and only mental health and addiction recovery supplement line, ProRecovery RX. For over 20 years, Dr. Terralyn has helped career-driven women overwhelmed by anxiety and panic attacks, eliminate their symptoms and get off medication, completely using natural approaches that balance brain chemistry, while permanently changing behavior. Dr. Terrellon is not a believer in throwing a prescription at the problem, which seems to be the blanket solution to stress, anxiety, and depression in our current society. She encourages a holistic approach to overall wellness, which results in lasting change, a healthier state of being, and a happier you. Today's conversation, we're focusing in on panic attacks, And some of our learning points are the current trends in mental health care as a whole, what happens physiologically during a panic attack, and strategies for dealing with a panic attack. So I've had a couple of panic attacks in my life, and I'm very interested in this topic. So I hope you will stay with us. We will be back in a few minutes.
3: So soon
0: are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back everybody. Again, today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in but please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Health Hub RMC. And as mentioned before, please do email us at thh@radiomaria.ca If you have any questions um, about this show or any future shows or any suggestion for us, we'd love to hear from you. Welcome to the show, Dr. Taralyn. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, we're very happy to have you too. This is a topic that we haven't covered. Um, But before we get into panics and PTSD and things like that, why don't you give us a background as to why you're
4: where you are now? Well, so I've been in practice for, oh my gosh, I was trying to figure this out. I think it's almost been 15 (laughs) years now. (laughs) And um, of that 15 years, I've been in private practice for about 10 I can't believe how time flies. But anyway, it really does. It does. Um, I can distinctly recall sitting in my private practice, and people were coming in and they're complaining about the same thing over and over again. So, like anxiety, depression, that type of thing, their symptoms just didn't seem to go away with traditional talk therapy. So, Being the good steward to psychiatry, because that's where my training was, um, I would push them back to their doctors or psychiatrists for a med adjustment or a med change or, you know, something because I kind of felt helpless to help them. So I'm like, all right, go back to the doctor and tell them what's going on. And I felt like I was a broken record for a long time. And it felt very ineffective to me. So I started um, studying the brain. And literally, I remember hopping on Google, and this was, you know, 10 or more years ago when Google wasn't as robust as as it is today, (laughs) (laughs) and doing my best to find research, like real research on Google, and um, it was tough. It was tough. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to give up on this. I can't find any alternatives that are, you know, proven, that type of thing. And then I did happen to come across some research articles on things like dopamine or serotonin. And I just dove right in. And it, it, with a little bit of fear, I started recommending some supplements, you know, and, I'm, and i would say things like this, I don't know if this is going to work, but <laughs> let's give it a try, you know, <laughs> and lo and behold, it started to work. Um, I remember, you know, using supplements like GABA. And for someone who is really anxious, leg bouncing, all that kind of stuff in the office. And I would just give it a try. And they were open to it because people are ready um, to feel better. And within about 20 minutes, like their leg would slow down. It was noticeable. And I'm thinking to myself, holy crap, this stuff is really working, (laughs) you know? So then I went back to school and I learned more about nutrition and I learned more about brain health and the whole thing just kind of blew up, you know, from there because people are ready to be done with anxiety and depression. You know, and there's, there's a lot of rhetoric around it. Like, well, just accept it as part of you. And I I don't really believe in that. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I think if you're suffering, that you don't need to accept your own suffering to survive. That seems weird to me.
1: Mm-hmm, I agree. Now you've, mm-hmm. you've introduced some, some concepts and things that maybe we want to backtrack and, uh, and talk about. So the dopamine, the serotonin, all these lovely things that launched you on your path. Maybe you can give us a background as to what what they are, first off, and why you found recommending um, the certain supplements was so effective in practice. So,
4: you know, our brains, brains, brains and bodies are comprised of all kinds of neurotransmitters. But the heavy hitters for mental health are like dopamine, serotonin, adrenaline, GABA, glutamate, okay. So without getting too scientific on you, like dopamine is the is like the life giddy up, right? It's it's like the reward pathway. Like, hey, I want to do that again. That felt great. And a lot of times, people with depression um, have lack of dopamine. So there's, I look at depression in two different ways. Like, there's the serotonin type depression, which people think of serotonin automatically think of medication because like an SSRI. Mm-hmm. Um, impacts your serotonin levels. Um, so most people when they think depression think serotonin because that's what modern medicine tells us to think because that's what they impact you know um, With serotonin um, imbalance, people are more um, unhappy, irritable, sad you know with dopamine type imbalance, people are more fatigued, lethargic, have no like desire. Um, So the two things are very distinctly different. So I can, you know, pretty much spot the difference right away. And part of it is um, facial expressions. People who are dopamine deficient often have like a furrowed brow or a heaviness in their forehead or they feel a heaviness in the top of their head to their forehead. Right. Whereas a sad um, person might be more tearful, you know, um, that type of sadness. Mm -hmm. But so if we target the correct um, neurotransmitter, you're going to get a more improved result. And so I have found that dopamine type depression or that fatigue is way more prevalent than someone with a serotonin deficiency, which is also one of the reasons why there's tons of people on SSRIs out there and they don't work. And I'm like, well, they're not working because you're not targeting the right neurotransmitter. I'm not sure if I get too scientific or loopy. No, no. It's very (laughs) interesting.
1: It's very interesting. I got a genetic report back that said that I clear my dopamine too fast. Too fast. Yep. Yeah. And -hmm. that's an interest. I have enough of it. It just doesn't stick around. So my highs are very short lived. Um, Exactly.
4: Right. Exactly. And so that, I mean, that goes into the whole genetic piece of things too, um, so genetically, we can either store too much of it or clear it too rapidly. And so if you're storing too much of it, you might be um, have more anxiety type stuff, right, related to dopamine. Um, and again, these are concepts that are newer, mm-hmm. especially when you add the genetic coding into things like that's new. Epigenetics are newer, you yeah. know learning what to do about them is brand new um, before it used to be like okay so you're born with these genes you die with these genes we we know that but can we influence them in any way nope it's just what you got
1: yeah and we're exactly. like well wait
4: a minute that doesn't make any sense because even people with genetic markers for certain cancers that's not 100% that you're going to get that cancer just because you have those markers it's Absolutely. like we're yeah we're going to monitor you you know, for a very long time, just to be sure. So it's not like a, you know, genetics is not a diagnostic tool, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But so someone like you that, that gets rid of your dopamine too fast you know a little bit of you know the amino acid precursors that um influence the dopamine pathway would probably be in your future
1: <laughs> so, so you,
4: you can either that or i'll just longer. won't be
1: very happy for too long well right like gonna a burst have to work of energy work yeah exactly. people are gonna have to work harder around me that's all <laughs> yeah it's everyone else they're all gonna have to exactly. do the heavy lifting for you
4: because yeah, that's yeah. right
1: Hey, I got the test done. I know what the issue is, so now yeah. it's up to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like that. It's it's like uh,
4: outsourcing your own care.
1: Right? <laughs> oh, I remember my daughter one day came down, and she was uh, she was not very happy about something. She goes. I guess I got that dopamine thing too, man. Because things are right. not very good right now. <laughs> it was just too funny. So you know, you can't look at it both ways, right? There's a silver lining. <laughs> yeah, now, exactly. Is, is information what you, is good. Information. Well, you know what? I, I'm back and forth on that one, but uh, yeah, I, uh-huh. I think I think in the in the long run, information is good. Now, in in your practice, then, are you using supplements as the foothold of getting people to the the mental health that they want to be at, or is this just a a piece of a bigger picture?
4: Both. Okay. (laughs) And and it's really dependent on where the person is and where they want to go. So it's interestingly enough, in my practice, I tend to get people who've been dabbling in supplements, right? Because they're more interested in the natural things because the traditional ways to help have not worked Mm -hmm. so a lot of them have been dabbling and they have like a countertop full of supplements you know Mm -hmm. and i've been there i've you know as i'm like trying to figure myself out like at one point i think i had like 15 different bottles out on the counter i'm like this is crazy this is this is not sustainable you know um so part of that is they're already a lot of people that come to me are already open to it but it's a it's a matter of like identifying the supplements and things that actually mean the most for their brain health. Okay. Yeah. Um because in that dabbling, like it's like a rabbit hole. I mean you can go down the supplement rabbit hole really quickly. Um and the next thing you know you got six hundred dollars worth of supplements on your countertop and you don't take any of them, you're like, what did I just do? <laughs> exactly. You know? So part of this is, you know, uncovering the imbalances and really pinpointing what you need. And it's not just about supplements because that would be too easy, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I don't want this. I don't want anyone to believe it's like um, if you're anxious, just take this thing and everything will be good. Now, can that happen? Yeah, but that's not sustainable for the long term, you know, Um, because what happens when you stop taking supplements? Well, then you're back to anxiety. If you didn't clear up, like what's causing the other lifestyle things that might be causing the anxiety. And that could be food related stuff. That could be relationship things that can be your work. You know, there's a lot of things that contribute to anxiety and depression. It's not just genetic. It's not just an imbalance, right? There's more to it, but I find that once we start somewhere that's different and people have a result, then they're more inclined to start working on the other things. It's kind of a backward, you know, it's backward to my training because I'm trained as a psychotherapist, right? So we're like, we talk our way through everything, right? you know? But when you're so anxious and depressed, like, you're not even thinking straight, let alone being able to talk through everything. That just feels like we're reinforcing some of those, negative, depressed, or anxious neuropathways if we just keep talking about what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, right? Well, and
1: I've, I've heard, you know, we've talked to psychiatrists on the show and they're back and forth. You know, I, I think as the evolution of the understanding of the brain yeah. is continuing um, and, and now it's not just the brain and the rest of the body. And as we're coming to see with every Thing that's in this wonderful system of ours, everything is linked mm-hmm. um, from oh, the yeah. immune system and the brain. I mean, we've just come such a long way. So um, it can't be, you know, a singularly faceted approach to helping nope. someone. It, it just it makes sense that mm-hmm. you have to talk nutrition and
4: inflammation and as and well gut as... gut health and, and you yeah. know, lifestyle. and. But see, this is that proverbial rabbit hole, yes. right? So, once you start somewhere, like, you can become very, uh, I'll say, obsessed with um, all the things holistic. All And that's just not, for the typical person, that's not a sustainable way to live. Mm-hmm. So, you have to pick what makes the most sense for your situation and what's going to give you the greatest outcome, you know. So, there's you know, we're talking a lot about gut health these days, too. Like, you know, the gut, it's the second brain, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, right, but your brain is still your first brain. Yeah, right. And if we don't have a healthy brain, we don't have to worry about our gut health, because our guts, it would be irrelevant if we didn't have our brain, you know, so I do a top down approach, I start with the brain first. And for some people, that's counterintuitive. They're like, no, you got to start with the gut first. I'm like, you know what, if I can influence your mood rapidly by starting with your brain first, then you're more likely to begin to work on your gut health because the gut health takes longer to feel better. And people want to feel better. They don't want to wait a year to start maybe feeling something because they've been mm-hmm. taking probiotics and things. You know, They want to feel better now. I mean, that's the way we live. We want it and we want it now. Yep. So if I can influence the brain health in a more powerful way, then people are more inclined to start working on nutrition and gut health and lifestyle, right? So it's a top, I take a top-down approach, and I know some people are like, no, no, and like, well, i got to meet people where they are and exactly. help them where they need help the most.
1: Well, the impact of our thoughts on our gut, it's a two-way street. It's not just oh. a, a one-way street, um, you know you're standing well, if you're up. anxious, yeah, if you're
4: anxious, your gut's gonna feel terrible exactly, you know? and then the
1: nutrition is not going to be what oh, it needs to be exactly and so it it is an interplay of all of these things now we, we want to get you know drilled down here to this topic of panic attacks and and mm-hmm. where this fits in with anxiety and triggers and so forth um men and women do they differ uh, yeah. the brains and the way we react to things, obviously there is a difference. But when we, when we're talking about panic attacks, and we're just going to, just going to broach this before the break here. um, Are we talking more men or women, or is it, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to, to this trend, because I think more and more people are having panic attacks and, and
4: are caught off guard. Well, I think um, it displays different. it, it, It can display differently in men than women. Um, I don't, I don't think, you know, if you put a neurotransmitter under a microscope that it would differentiate male or female for sure, you know, so, but I think it's just behaviorally men and women are different, right? So these things are going to, um, look different in a man than a woman, than a woman typically. So does depression. Mm -hmm. It looks different in men than it does in women typically, not all the time, but you know, typically it looks different or it presents in a different way. So, but I think women its probably diagnosed more frequently and I haven't looked at the numbers, but it's diagnosed more frequently in women. More women are on medication, but I think that's just because more women show up to doctor's offices because of these things. Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, you know, there's still some male messaging around, you know, pull your bootstraps up and, Mm -hmm. you know, just do it right. Like there's nothing to see here. I'll just dig in deeper. You know, Um, so I think more women show up, and I think the men who are showing up are often doing it at the urging of their female partners, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I don't mean to sound stereotypical about this, but this is just kind of what I see. My practice over the years has been very female heavy, and you know, in the early days, it wasn't like I was just advertising to women, but they just show up more frequently in a therapist office. and so that means they're also heavier on prescriptions. So there's tons of women that are, you know, oh my gosh, I don't even know what the numbers are, who are prescribed antidepressants or anti anxieties for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years of their lives. You know, it's, it's crazy. But, um, anyway, so Obviously
1: impacting the other areas of their health.
4: Well, right. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in full disclosure, I was one of those women that was prescribed an antidepressant after the birth of my son, who is now 18. Mm-hmm. And I, it was for postpartum depression, which is totally fine. But I was on it for six years. I didn't have postpartum depression for six years. I just couldn't get off the medication. And the thing that I remember most about that time is I was very um, blunted emotionally, very neutralized mm-hmm. um, Which led me to this thing that I don't have a lot of solid memories um, of my son's life during that time because, you know, in order to have a memory, you have to have an emotion, a big one surrounding it, you Mm -hmm. know. But if you're blunted, you're not going to have that experience, you know, unless you're super frightened by something, probably. Right. Um, And I know that a, a ton of women struggle with the same type of thing. Um, but if I knew then what I know now, I probably would have, you know, looked at my dopamine.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know what? If you, if you knew then what you know now, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. So, you know, exactly. there's, always, there's always a line to something positive. Um, we're going to take a quick break here and come back in a few minutes and carry on this conversation. I
5: dedicate this song to recession, depression.
6: There's no sunshine, nothing but clouds, and it's dark in my heart, and it feels like a cold night. Today's a new day. But where are my blue skies? Where is the love and the joy that you promised me? Tell me it's (laughs) alright.
5: I'll be honest with you.
6: I almost gave up. (laughs) <laughs> when I think how much
5: better I'm going to be when this is over I
6: smile Even though I hurt,
5: see I smile <laughs> I know God is working so I smile Even though I've been here for a while What you do? I smile Come on, I smile. on. smile It's so hard to look up when you get down Show would hate to see you give up now God's people Still don't mean today
6: don't have purpose Come on Today's a new day But there is no sunshine Nothing but clouds and it's dark in my heart And it feels like a cold night
5: It ain't easy, but Today's a new day But tell me where are my blue skies
6: Where is that love, y'all? Where is the love and the joy that you promised me Tell me it's
5: alright the truth is, I
6: almost gave up on a power that I can't
5: explain. That Holy Ghost power, y'all. fell
6: from heaven like a shower now.
5: now I know we've been hurt, y'all. you're in right now. Smile, smile for me. Smile. Can you just smile for me? <laughs> and my people say, oh, 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 feeling so much better when you're home. Praying so oh, oh, oh. Look in the mirror Always remember do it so much better when you smile. I Almost gave up I almost oh, gave up. Up. Oh, can't up. But the Holy Ghost power you all Came down from heaven, like the down the from heaven. Hardships difficulties right now. Tears storms This is what I do I- But well, that feels good I know God is working so I smile All things are working Even though I'm in it for a while Still I smile hey. Smile Hallelujah It's so hard to look up when you get down I know it's hard right now Show would hate to see you again
0: You are listening to The Health Hub Here on Radio Maria Canada A Catholic voice wherever you are To contact us and be a part of the show Email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Tarlin. Um, Let's get into the actual, this this topic interests me because I have been, um a victim. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word. Maybe that's the wrong word in cycle speak. But uh, I've had panic attacks. They have hit me out of the blue. I I can work my way back to maybe why they happened. But at the time, um, my, I think I've had two, three in the last I don't know, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was having a heart attack. Oh, yeah. And it scared the bejeebers out of me. So what is the connection? Is there, first of all, there, there must be an underlying trigger or anxiety. Um, but what is the connection between anxiety, panic attack, and that whole physiological impact that we have on our body when it happens?
4: Well, first of all, I just want to say like, if you have, if, if you feel like you've had a heart attack, anybody that's listening to this, go get a physical, go get that checked out because Sometimes psychology of things turns into this giant bucket, you know, when there could be something physical underlying, not to freak anyone out, but make sure there's not, you Mm -hmm. know, make sure that you're clear of that. And then if they're like, nope, this was anxiety. So you're, we're pretty well hardwired physiologically for an anxiety attack to happen. Um, So what happens is, you know, your heart begins to beat usually, like, or you start having, um uh faster breathing right and then your heart will begin to pump more blood your beats per minute go up and your heart literally has to be around 90 to 100 or more beats a minute to start firing adrenaline okay so it's done that for years it keeps us alive right so that's your fight or flight that starts to happen and when your fight or flight begins to happen, your adrenaline is pumping, your prefrontal cortex, which is your thinking brain, like shuts off. It goes offline. And it does that for a reason because if, you know, if you were being chased by a bear and you came to a fork in a road and you had to think, should I turn left or should I turn right? What are the benefits of left? What are the, you know, you'd be dead, right? The mm-hmm. bear would catch you. So your thinking brain has to go offline for you to survive. Okay, so when you think about having a panic attack, people usually say things like "I didn't know what to do," and then when you don't know what to do, you start—you know—you're breathing faster and heavier. Like it gets worse. Like we're our own worst enemy during this time um, because we. So can- you're trying to think. Is that what you're, is that what the issue is? You're trying to think it through. Well, when your prefrontal cortex goes offline, that's when you say and do things you wish you wouldn't have said and done. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're trying to think. I think your your caveman brain is really just trying to take over the show. And you're like, "I don't understand what's happening. Why can't I even organize my thoughts? You know, why can't I access my um, tools? I, I hear that a lot, like, once it happens, it's just over. Like, I can't even access anything. I'm like, right, because your thinking brain is offline. You don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so you can sit in therapy or whatever, do cognitive behavioral therapy when you're relaxed all day long. But when that fires, when your adrenaline is going, you're like, I didn't even know where any of those skills were anymore. <laughs> like, I, you know, you can't access them from a thinking brain perspective which means you might have to have like sticky notes around. If this happens, do this, you know, um, grab some mites, put it on the back of your neck, slow, slow down your breathing, right? All of that stuff. So I really try to work with people to, you know, most people say things like this. It came out of the blue. I have no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that that can definitely happen. But, you know, rewinding time, like there are subtle Um, things that happen physiologically in your body that if you're in tune to, you might be able to catch it from happening, okay? And this could happen days before. So, you know, when I'm under a large amount of stress, (laughs) one of my top signals is my right eyelid will start to twitch. And Mm -hmm. it's it's always the right one. It's always the right one. Now, I know it's getting bad when the left one starts to twitch too. And it's just a subtle twitch, but it's like if I wasn't tuned into that, I would just be thinking like this. I don't know why my eyelid twitches all the time. I'm going to go to the doctor and find out there's something wrong with my eye. Well, when the whole thing is, it's just a a stress response, right? So when, when that happens to me, it's like my first signal that, okay, I need to make some changes right now And spend some time with stress reduction, breathing, you know, so your the breathing part is super important. So before I get to that, so the rewinding, like understanding, it could be your pinky twitching, it could be, you know, you eating more um, poor choices, it could be, there's a lot of, it could be an extreme fatigue, you know, Um, you have to recognize what's happening for you because it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. But the brain response to a panic attack is relatively the same for everyone. That won't differentiate, you know, between men or women or you or me, right? This is how our caveman brain is wired to survive. And Um, and the
1: impact, like for me, I had such pain in my chest. Is that mm -hmm. similar or is that just one symptom?
4: Well, that's probably just one symptom. There's some people that have panic attacks that don't have any chest pain. You know, there are some people that truly believe they're having a heart attack. So it just, again, like if you have a panic attack and you're like, whoa, what was that? Write down all the things that physiologically happened to you during that time. So, and then rewind time 24 hours earlier, write down what was going on in your life, write down what your thought patterns were. Were you anxious about something? Was someone around you anxious about something? You know, like... I know that my stress level goes up when my kids are struggling mm-hmm. because I'll start to think about them and, oh my gosh, I don't want them to struggle. And be like, stop. That's their battle. Not mine right now, <laughs> you know, yeah. but it becomes yours. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to get back into a strategy real quick if we have time. Oh, to, yes, go ahead. Okay, so... I'm writing remember, it down. <laughs> okay, so that physiological response, and this is why, you know, people say things like breathing. You have to do some breathing. And I'm like, you are correct because if you think about it, when you have a panic attack, you're either holding breath or you're very shallowly breathing rapidly, right? Yep,
3: yep.
4: So your breath, your your breath is tied to your heart rate. Okay. This is why that's important. Remember I said when your heart rate beats over 90 to hundred beats a minute, it's going to fire that adrenaline. So your breath is tied to your heart rate and the object here is to keep your heart rate down. Okay. So when you inhale, your heart rate is going to go up. It's just a natural response. When you exhale, your heart rate goes down. So If you notice that you're stressed out or moving towards a panic attack, I tell people to breathe out, exhale, long and slow. Just start with the exhale. A lot of people are like, well, just breathe three times in and out. (sighs) I'm like, well, that's going to jack up your adrenaline, so don't do that, okay? Start with a long, slow exhale. And if you can exhale usually twice as long as your inhale, okay, that's going to start to slow your heart rate down. And it will not, it'll keep you from firing that adrenaline. Okay. So, but here's the key. You have to do that for about five to seven minutes of that type of breathing for your brain to recognize that there's no threat. And so for your brain to then allow your body to move into the parasympathetic side, which is your calmer side of things, um, you have to do that type of breathing for five to seven minutes. Um, so some people like to use a breathing app, which I think is pretty cool because there's a ton of them out there. and you can actually focus instead of focusing on your thoughts. Right? Mm-hmm. So the app can help guide you. But the trick with breathing is kind of like, you know if you're training to be an athlete, you would never just show up to game day without having practiced at all when you when it wasn't a game day. So having a panic attack is kind of like game day. You know, mm-hmm. or when you're feeling stressed out. So people need to use this type of breathing, like practice it 3 times a day when you don't need it, when you don't need to access it. So that when you do access it, you got it. You know, you can do it. Your your body catches on easier okay mm-hmm. so breathing is one of the first strategies but it's it's how we breathe that's the most important part so if you can only remember one thing remember that your exhale is the most important part of your breath to dial down your nervous system excellent yeah this,
1: this, it's not this hard can- no, it's not hard. as breathing as you were talking. <laughs> yeah. I, I find the the connection. You know, we talk about the the gut brain connection, but obviously mm-hmm. this is a gut heart connection too. And and, and, and long brain heart like brain everything.
4: Heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's. I don't know if if you know, I'm sure people that are listening have gone through panic attacks, but I tell you, it was it caught me so off guard. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night and uh, I didn't know what the heck was going on. And, and I did try to access
4: any other tips when you're yeah. going through this. Well, when you say, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, it leads me into this idea this that when your blood sugar is low, your adrenaline will also start picking up speed. And so if you wake up in the middle of the night with a panic attack or you just can't fall asleep, it's like two, three in the morning, and you're awake, that's probably your um, imbalanced blood sugar. So some things to think about for that, and during the day too, so a lot of people who have panic attacks, one of my first things, or even anxiety, is to ask them, like, when was the last time that you ate before that panic attack? And often they'll be like, well, I felt off for a couple of days, and I didn't really eat anything. Or I ate like a ice cream, you know, like, so eating protein, eating protein every three to four hours is going to do a really good job of, you know, basic blood sugar stabilization. And so having a snack before bed, like a protein snack, not a sugar snack a um, sugar or carb snack, not even fruit, um, might help you stabilize that blood sugar throughout the night and avoid having a panic attack waking you up in the middle of the night. Well,
1: that's very interesting. I never thought of, of something that way. So that that's that's a sheer physiological response.
4: Correct. Correct. Interesting. And it's and it's easy to manage. But yeah. blood sugar blood sugar stabilization is like key to mental health and addiction. But it's again, it's often overlooked to a thinking error. You know, like, oh, let's just think our way through this. Well, you can't think your way through low blood sugar. So are you doing a checklist
1: when people come in to see you on this type of area before they even sit down and start talking?
4: Um, Yes. So I do a lot of different things with with people. So I do symptom checklists. I do um, food journals to see where they're at. And I also do some lab testing for neurotransmitter imbalance and cortisol issues. Um, So I can really dig down deep for people and help them figure this out and then move forward with a master plan. And
1: what type of lab testing are you doing? Are they specific to um, just testing levels or are you looking for anything else? Are you looking for amino acid or anything
4: Uh, So I look for neurotransmitter imbalance and Mm -hmm. cortisol. So cortisol is your stress-fighting hormone. A lot of people these days have um, problems with cortisol. Um, So those two things in my practice are the most meaningful because we can discern a lot of information with um, a neurotransmitter lab. Like if, if you find out that your dopamine and serotonin are imbalanced we can make a strong guess that you've got some nutrient deficiencies as well because um, there's reasons for the imbalance. Um, so then, you know, looking at those nutrient cofactors, your, your vitamin A, your C, your B vitamins, that kind of thing, your magnesium, those are good things to have in place all the time. So I don't test those levels. Um, I just primarily look at neurotransmitters and cortisol. And I will tell you that it does a great job. And so is this the supplementation
1: these are stopgap until you get nutrition and then and then you're talking about um, maybe in underlying issues. So supplements are not there as as a, a means to hold your hand. They are a tool.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And you'll probably be on once you get the supplement protocol that your body actually needs. I recommend people stay on it for a minimum of six months. Um, And then some semblance of it for the remainder of the year. But it's not taking a supplement except maybe a multivitamin and B vitamins and things like that are not meant for a lifetime. It's Mm -hmm. meant to get you back in balance so that you can roll forward with your life in an easier way.
1: Well, I mean, key here is you want people... Uh, creating their own neurotransmitters and being you you don't want to have okay so that that that's an important concept so all these things are going hand in hand you're you're talking with them you're supplementing you're going through so it's a truly integrative practice that you're you're bringing to somebody Mm -hmm.
4: the other part is i really want people to um, understand what their symptoms really are on a deeper level so that, let's say you're not working with me, and it's two, three years down the road, and you're feeling a little stressed or anxious, you're like, "Oh, I remember this symptom from before, and this is what I did before. I need to do that again." Um, so I don't, I don't want people to be so attached to me or this process. I want them to, you know, be free and understand and tweak themselves. You know, well, under, under,
1: yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, the whole the whole impetus of a of an integrated practice, right, is to get people familiar with their own bodies. Yeah. And um, I I think that, you know, we've come such a a long way in understanding mental health that it's not just somebody is losing their mind. Right. And I think (laughs) when you can give people that power um, to affect change, I think that, um, you know, maybe what you went through when your son was born is the reason that you are helping so many people. And I think it's a, a beautiful thing.
4: Thank you very much. I, I wish more people would, would do it because it's so new that, you know, there's skepticism around it and things like that, because it's not traditional talk therapy, which is what we've been, you know, hammered in to think, go to a therapist and talk about it. You know, there's way more to this than that. And it's really cool when I have someone come in the office and they're like, well, I don't know, you probably won't even um, figure it out. It's just me. And -hmm. then we get these labs back and they're like, they cry. Because they're like, they're, oh my gosh, there actually is something, you know. There's there's something to, to you know, physiologically that I can do to help myself.
1: Well, well, so it, many people wonderful. they just think they're
4: losing it, and I mean, and, right. and that's a, that's a
1: terrible state to be in, you oh know, when gosh, you think yes. you're you're out of control in your life, and you realize that it's maybe as simple as you said as as balancing blood sugar. I, right. I think, it, I, I know, I think it's just it, we're seeing it in all aspects of health, and I don't know why. The the last piece is the brain. Um, it's like it's like the right. brain was was this this entity that is not connected to any. It runs it, but it's not impacted. Don't by worry anything. about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think We're not going to worry it, about it. No, you know it's it's going to do fine. And, and and if not, then we'll 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 give it some some something to help it out. But
4: but this will change it, the structure of the brain with the pharmaceutical. That now, you, now you've changed the structure rather than the mm-hmm. function, you know, well, and that's hard to come back from.
1: You know, just the the understanding that you. Um, I was having this conversation with somebody earlier, and just the understanding that the blood brain barrier is not mm-hmm. um, completely sealed with it, it, just the understanding that things can penetrate the brain. I mean, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, that was, no, 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 nothing gets in. it. So just that understanding um, and then applying it is, is is
4: it just, well, I think it just opens the door for so many people to health. I, well, I agree. And, you know, it's, it's coming along. People talk about things like dopamine or serotonin. Like, we're talking about what it is. It's just the application that's a mm-hmm. little bit slower, you know. Um, or, you know, there's, there's a lot of different sides to this. You know, some people are like, oh, nutrition, you know, it'll do fine. And others are like, well, nutrition, not really. And then, or when you talk to somebody and you're like, how, how well do you eat? Oh, I eat pretty good. And then you do a food diary, and you find out they're eating bologna sandwiches, and you know mm-hmm. and you're like, "Well, our idea well, of this is just interesting."
1: Well, you know, it's 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 no different than we're talking about in the diet. There's not one diet for everybody. Everybody right. is individual, and 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 the key uh, and the success of your practice is that you are able to talk to people individually and see, and it's, uh, you well, know, it's start, not, it's not a one lane. Are. Yeah. And yeah. it's not a one lane highway. There are many nope. avenues. It's, it's, uh, I, I think you're offering a, a breath of, of fresh air for, oh, for thank people. Thank you. <laughs> now are you, do you have any things you're working on now? Any programs that you'd like to talk to us about?
4: Yeah. So I have two programs. The first one, and this is my most favorite one is called the brain love method And um, really, that's where we combine those labs and um, the blueprint and some nutrition and and then access to me as well. And that's kind of my milestone. That's my big program. Um, The second one is a little bit smaller of a program. It's called Brain Spark. And that's more of a self-paced program for people. Um, it's less customized, um, but still, you'll get really good information. So, if you're looking for information and a place to start, you know, because you're like, mm, I'm just going to check this out, Brain Spark would be where I would begin. If you are ready to go, if you're tired of anxiety and depression, then Brain Love Method is, is where it's at.
1: And where can people find your programs? Uh, DrTerrolynn.com. Excellent. And we'll have all your information when the podcast comes out. Just like a final thought from me too. uh, Health is health, right? And you want to be proactive with your health and your brain health is as vital as any other aspect of health. So it, it, you know, the programs that you offer aren't just about when there's an issue, right? You might as well be proactive and, 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 Cultivate good brain health. I think that's one of the areas that is important for people to understand. Is cultivating brain health is not just a knee jerk reaction to a mental issue that you've had. So um, do check out uh, Dr. Terrell's site. As I said, we'll have all the information available for you when the podcast comes out. I'd like to thank you for joining us, Dr. Terrell. It's been a great conversation, and I think probably eye opening for a lot of people.
4: Well, thanks for having me. It's a conversation that is much
1: needed. Absolutely, absolutely. So everybody, thank you for listening and joining us, and we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub.